I want to tell you a story. So whenever I was in college, and some of y'all already know this, um, when I was in college, I signed up to go on this trip. I didn't know much about it, but it was through a thing called Nehemiah's Teams. Nehemiah's Teams, and it was a group organization that would send college students to really hard places around the world to share the gospel. So I signed up for Nehemiah Teams, me and about six of my buddies and four Filipinos. We all loaded up together and went to an island in the Philippines called Cebu. And for the next two months, roughly 52 days, we would share the gospel. We would play basketball every day, knock on people's doors. Ayo, my own buntag. They would say, ayo. And they'd come out and they'd like give us like, I don't know, like they would like go cut down like a coconut out of the tree and like make us like coconut stuff right there. It was like awesome. They were so hospitable. And every single day we would try to share the gospel. That was our goal. We ended up getting to share with, I believe that summer, it was like um, somewhere around like 1,500 people got to hear the gospel that summer through what we got to be a part of. It was really neat. But it was really hard summer. I remember writing in my journal, this is like day um, four or five when I was on the field, like on the mission field. I put this. I put, I am spent spiritually, meaning like I'm exhausted, spiritually, mentally, physically. The Philippines is the most difficult place I've ever been. I've been doing so much, I haven't had time to journal. Um, being here requires so much from you. You got to make sure everyone is eating. You got to make sure everybody's got plenty of water to drink because you couldn't just drink the water. You had to go like get jugs. Keeping up with money was really a challenge because we had money for the whole summer to like manage and budget. How much to spend every day, making sure we are on time everywhere, scheduling, all those things is so hard for me as a college student is a challenge. And then I put this, and it's always hot. You wake up sweaty, you eat sweaty, and you sleep sweaty. Is what I literally put in my journal. I was like, the first night here, I kept thinking, why are you here, Corey? Everyone in the group was thinking the exact same thing. I remember laying on my mat. It was not anything fancy. It was on a, like a, a mat that was literally like about as thick as, like that thick. That's how tall it was. You had to blow it up yourself. Set it out on the floor. It was not comfy. I'm going to tell you straight up. And I had like sweat stains on this thing. That's how much I was sweating at night. And by like night four, I was literally sitting in my bed on my mat, you know, and I was thinking, I was like, Lord, how can I get out of this? <laughs> I was like, I know I'm in the Philippines. I know I'm literally on the other side of the world. I was thinking, I wonder if I could fake an injury and get a plane ticket home and get out of this for the rest of the summer. That's what I was thinking in college. I was thinking, how do I get out of this mission trip? Because this is way too hard. I did not know what I was signing up for. And y'all probably think I'm a pansy, but I'm just telling y'all straight up, it was the hardest place I've ever lived in my life. I lived out of a backpack. I went to a well to go take a bucket bath. You know, like you don't have running water. You'll get a bucket Pour it on your head, and then you put some soap on your arms and your head, and you're done That was it. Like, that was your bucket bath for the day. When you wanted to eat, you had to go to the market. And you go to the market, and you're picking out your, like, pork or your chicken. And there's flies all over all the food hanging out everywhere. These people are just selling it to you, like, right there in front. Not, it's not refrigerated. It's just hanging out, like, just hanging in the open air. They killed it that morning and have it hanging out for you to buy it for breakfast. I'm like, this is hard. 
If you want to cook a meal, you have to literally start a fire and put a pan on top of your wood and make sure it's not too hot and it's not too cold and how high it is from the rocks. And like, it was just so hard, guys. I'm just telling you. It was a challenge. But on top of that, some places don't even have electricity. There's no running water. I was missing my family. I was just struggling. And at the first week, I was ready to throw in the towel. I was like, this is way too hard. This is not what I signed up for. And some of those who are thinking about going on mission trips, I want you to know that's not what every mission trip's like. I just want you to know. So if you're thinking about going somewhere, don't be like, I'm not doing that. Well, this was a little different. I just know after the first few days, I was ready to quit. If I were to fast forward to the end of my summer, this is what I wrote down in my journal. Y'all really can't see this, but do y'all see this little picture I drew on there? Do y'all see that at all? So I wrote down things I learned this summer, okay? Things I learned this summer. One of the things I put on here was that people are not the enemy. I need to guard my heart more. Don't pollute the spring, so be careful what I see, what I listen to, and what I um, am around. Don't pollute my heart. Be strong and courageous. That's Joshua 1, 8. I need to go to the king, God, with kingdom-sized requests like Nehemiah had for the king in chapter 2. All of the armor hinges on the loin belt of the truth. I'm about the armor of God. House church is so simple and amazingly real. To follow Jesus requires carrying a heavy cross. The Lord hears my prayers and the Lord answers my prayers. I could continue to go on and on. I just want you to know this. At the end of my summer, God had built up so many walls and foundations in my life that I felt like when I came home, like I was so ready and equipped for whatever the Lord had in my life. It wasn't until I labored with the Lord and labored in the ministry, building the walls, that I get to experience that right there. Some of you guys right now are wanting that in your life, right? Like you want to experience more of the Lord. You want to walk with the Lord in a fresh way. The question is, are you even building the walls in your heart? Are you obeying him? Are you listening to him? Are you opening the word? Are you studying and reading and learning? Are you allowing him to even have room to work in your heart? Nehemiah was a guy in Nehemiah chapter one that heard about the situation in Jerusalem and was broken. What did he do when he heard the news? Come on, y'all remember this. What did he do? He fell down and wept. Yes, what else did he do? He prayed, yes. What else did he do? Fasting, yes. Yeah. He did three months. He did it for three months. Noah, for th- or not Noah, <laughs> Nehemiah is who we're talking about tonight. Yeah, Nehemiah, for like three to four months, like when he heard about that Jerusalem's walls were in shambles, he started praying and fasting and he was bearing the burden for it. And this is what happened. He eventually goes before the king and he says to the king, King, I want you to send me to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls for my people. And I want you to pay for it. And the king says, permission granted. Here's the blank check that you wanted. Go do what you need. 
So Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem, and in the middle of the night, he's walking through the middle of the city. No one even knows what's about to happen, but he's walking through the city. He's inspecting the walls. He's seeing the damage in the city. And Nehemiah, the next day, wakes up with everyone and the leaders and all the people there, and he says, we are going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And thus began the journey of Nehemiah and the people of Israel to restore the walls of Jerusalem. There's a lot of opposition that comes against them. They give them threats against their life. They spread rumors about Nehemiah and Israel, and they're warning them to not build it. Like They're just against the building of the wall because they didn't want the people of Israel to succeed. They were afraid that Israel, Israel would rise up as a nation again. They were trying to cover them up, to keep them down, to keep them in a low spot, which is exactly what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to keep you low. He wants to keep you tapped out. He wants to keep you on the sideline. But Nehemiah would not give up. He literally says in chapter six, he says, why would I stop the good work? Why would I leave the good work? And so that's exactly what he does. He sticks to it. And this is what happens. It's so cool. Nehemiah chapter six, starting in verse 15 and 16. We're gonna go quick tonight. Nehemiah chapter six, 15 and 16. This is what he says. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in how many days? 52 days. Do y'all know how long it's? I'll come back in a minute. It's just crazy. The 52 days. Keep going. Verse 16. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around it, around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Okay, so just two verses. That's what we're looking at tonight. Just two verses. If you're taking notes, number one is this, the wall is finished. It's a miraculous thing. You know how, like what kind of wall this was? They say it was about 1.7 miles long, which is a pretty long ways, 1.7 miles long. And they estimate it was about 40 feet high. Like I'm five foot seven and a half feet high. So that's literally eight of me. Is that right? Someone get that right? Is that close to eight? Okay. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. Yeah. It's like seven and a half of me, all right? That's it. That's how high it was. And for the width, it was eight feet wide. So that's, that's, that's like Garrett's height laid down. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how big it is. So it's a pretty big wall that they built. The original wall that they built was a little bit bigger than that, but it took them four years to complete it. And Nehemiah and the people of Israel rebuilt this wall in just 52 days. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that crazy? For us who don't build walls every day, I want you to realize that it's a big deal, okay? It's a really big deal. And I tell you that because here's the deal. I appreciate that Nehemiah did not quit. When I wanted to quit not so long ago on the mission field, I felt that. I'm sure Nehemiah probably had a glimpse of feeling that too, but he didn't allow it to cower him down. It didn't allow him to fall off the, the train. It didn't allow him to get off of the work to leave the wall that the Lord had called him to. He continued to fight and build. I think it's astonishing and amazing to see that. I tell you that because here's the deal. I want to tell you a story right now. Because of the pandemic, Ford Motors. How many of y'all know what Ford is? Can we pull up the truck real quick? Ford, this is a Ford Raptor. It's cool. 
Everybody, yeah, everybody loves it. Everybody, yeah, build tough, yeah. All right, I get it. Y'all like Ford. Here's the deal. I'm gonna tell you a mistake. Ford, in the middle of the pandemic, has been building tons of trucks still. They have not slowed down in building trucks. However, there's been a pandemic that has caused a lot of the factories and warehouses to slow down their production. And what this has caused is that there's a microchip that goes in every single one of these trucks to help them to function properly. Well, they've built, Ford has already built all the trucks, but they didn't have the microchip. They were lacking the chip to put it in there because the supply is so low, but the demand is so high. So what has happened is there are literally thousands of Ford trucks that are parked at the Kentucky Speedway. I'll show you this right here. This is an actual photo from it right now. There are trucks for as far as you can see just piled up. They're just sitting there. They're not doing anything. And Ford is being joked about right now online because they started building trucks without having all the parts. Here's, yeah, you're like, hey, well, I built trucks, right? Yeah. Here's the deal. Listen, guys, Nehemiah did not follow the same result that the Ford Motors mistake was. They were, Nehemiah was smart. He spent time in prayer. He spent time before the Lord. He spent time before the king requesting what he would need. And then he finished with inspecting the walls. And then he encountered the wall problem of opposition, man. Whenever he got on the wall building it, people came around him all over and discouraging him from continuing building. But Nehemiah would not be shaken. He continued to build. And what you see is it said, God does great things in a very small amount of time. He builds the walls of Jerusalem in just 52 days. Students, don't miss this. God is wanting to do mighty things in your life. God wants to do big things in your life. But I'm going to be real with you. You're going to need to count up the cost of what it means to really follow Jesus. You're going to have to count up the cost. Whenever I got on the mission field, right here, guys, right here. When I got on the mission field in the Philippines, I did not count up the cost. It was hard. And I was ready to roll over and quit. Garrett's about to move to Montana for two months. What happens if in week one he gets tired and decides to come home? That would be so sad, right? There are so many believers in this room right here that I would say this. I believe you started building the wall when you got saved, but since then you have jumped on the sideline and you quit building. You quit laboring. The enemy has discouraged you and you're on the sideline now. I'm begging you to get back in the game, to start building again and see the walls finished in your life. I'm begging you. You need to count the cost. Are you going to be ready? It literally says in Scripture, what kind of army commander would take his army to battle without realizing that he doesn't have enough troops to win the war? What commander goes with 10,000 men against a 20,000 army? It doesn't work. You're going to get defeated. Who starts building a house? Who starts building a wall and realizes, I don't have all the, the lumber or the stone to complete it? That's going to be embarrassing. I'm just telling you, students, if you're going to follow Jesus with everything you got, you need to count the cost. And I'll tell you this right now, from someone who's lived it for 21 years, Jesus is so worth it. The cost is great, but man, the value is immeasurable. It's so worth it. If you're taking notes, second thing is this, not just the wall was finished, but that the, the world 
was astonished. The world was astonished at the work that took place. You saw it there. It says that the wall was finished, and then all of a sudden their enemies and the nations were greatly afraid because of what they had seen and heard. They were afraid. They were terrified. I can't think of a better way to put it. Back whenever I was served at Bellevue Arlington at our Arlington campus, I served there as their middle school and high school pastor. And I used to host this thing called the Super Bowl party, okay? We would host a Super Party every year, and we would have about 100 people come show up. And this year, it was a head-to-head. Can I show a picture of who it was real quick? There was a head-to-head of two teams. Y'all might have known them. It's in 2017. It was Tom Brady with the Patriots and the Falcons. Anybody remember this game? Yeah, here you go. Let me show you the next one real quick. So this is what happened. The Atlanta Falcons were up 28 to 3. That's a 25-point deficit with really one quarter and about two minutes left to play. And I'm not going to lie, everybody at my super party was like dogging the Patriots. Like, they're washed up. Brady's done. They were dogging them. Just chill with me. I'm right here with you. Listen, people were like going home. Like, the game is over. All these things. I remember it. Like, people were like, this game is done. It's in the bag. The Falcons have won their first Super Bowl. Well, all of a sudden... Tom Brady turns it on, and the final score for this game was 34 to 28 to the Patriots. They went on a 31-point scoring streak to win the game. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Listen, the world is still astonished. You hear this right here? They're still blown away today. Whether you like the Falcons or whether you like the Patriots or whether you don't care about football at all, it's okay. Right here. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to cheer for football now. Here we go. Listen, all I remember was sitting in our Bellevue Arlington student area, and I remember thinking this. Everyone in the room is literally speechless right now. You would see online people left and right are just like, like, you would see them after the game, their heads are just down like this, they're Falcons fans in their jersey, and they're just like so distraught. Like, what just happened? How did this just happen? And I'm going to be honest, throughout the first really six and a half or six chapters of the book, you'll see that the opposition to Nehemiah is just chattering it up, man. They are talking a big talk against Nehemiah putting him down, calling him out, spreading rumors, threatening him, discouraging him the whole time. Nehemiah finishes the wall in 52 days by the help of God, and this is what happens. You do not hear one more word for the rest of the book from any of those enemies. Isn't that crazy? I remember as you read through the book of Exodus, you'll see that the people of Egypt are, are taken by 10 plagues. The Lord brings 10 plagues on the nation of Egypt because they had taken captive the people of Israel. And what happens is, is he delivers them with a strong hand. He takes them out to the waters or the sea that Moses parts the water through the hand of God. They part the waters and they walk over on dry ground and they defeat the Egyptians. And this is what happens. Don't miss this, guys. When God is at work, when you see the work of God at hand, I promise people around the world will see it. It says that after that happened, that all of the nations had heard about what God did in Egypt and they were terrified of the God of Israel. Yeah, 
They were terrified of the God of Israel. It even happens again with Jehoshaphat. He prays to the Lord, would you deliver me from the Moabites and these other guys? And what happens is the Lord does exactly that. And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles 20, 29. It says this, And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Students, I'm telling you, I'm astonished at what God does in my life. I'm telling you, you are going to see the enemies, the opposition, the, 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 the enemy of the spirit working against you in your life. You're going to see the world be astonished at what the Lord does through you when you commit to joining the work at hand. The last thing if you're taking notes is this. Not only was the wall finished and the world was astonished, but you also know this, is that the work was distinguished. And what I mean by distinguished, I mean it was special, it was unique. No one gets credit at the end of building the wall in 52 days saying, wow, Nehemiah was just a great builder, you know? No one says that. The nations were saying, they were afraid and terrified because they saw that the God of Israel was the only one who could help them accomplish this. I can't help but think about one person who is even better and greater than Nehemiah. There's a man named Jesus Christ who came to this earth, who had a task at hand, And although there was a lot of opposition to this man, there were threats against him. People tried to attack him. People tried to mock him. They spread rumors about him. There was all kind of opposition. And the task was going to cost a lot from him. He didn't just go into it blindly. No, he knew what it was going to take for him to come to this earth and answer the calling that God had placed on his life. Yet he still came. And that's why eventually he would go to the cross after much suffering and trials. He'd be put on a cross with his hands nailed to a wooden cross and his feet nailed to it as well. And this is what happens. Jesus would say his final words, it is finished. The task was complete. And this is what happens is that the world was astonished. There was a guy next to him at the cross after his death. When the earth shook and the powers of be were broken, what you see is this, is that the soldier looks over to the other one and says, surely this must have been truly the Son of God. Because he knew that this work that happened at the cross of Calvary could not be explained or accomplished by anyone else but by the hand of God. That same Jesus wants to work in your life today. He wants you to build the walls of your heart. He wants you to protect it so that the enemy can't come and go as he wants. He wants to build up a firm foundation that you'll build your life on for not just 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, but for high school and for college and for all the things that await you beyond that. God is wanting to build a firm foundation in your life today. If you don't start building right now, you're going to miss out on the blessings that come later. Students, if you want to start building your life, it begins with faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. 
He is bought by the blood of Jesus, a way for you to be saved. And when you give your life to the Lord, it changes everything. And now that you're a believer, you don't just sit on the sideline and get out of the game. No, you start building and fighting for the kingdom of God in your life. It's not a battle against me and another person. I'm not fighting against Richard. I'm not fighting against anyone else in this room. My fight is against the enemy, sin, temptation, I'm just telling you straight up, the world is not for you. The world's not putting good stuff out there to promote you to succeed and thrive. Man, the, Jesus is your biggest cheerleader. Jesus is your biggest fan. He wants you to thrive in your walk. That's why he says, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. How many of you are going to live into that? How many are going to tap into that? I believe that after you receive the Lord, the Lord has called you to start building. That's why he says to Peter, you will no longer be a fisherman, but you'll be a fisher of men. I mean, you're going to be winning souls. There's a calling in his life. What is the calling that God has for you right now in this season? What is the calling God has for you right here in middle school? What is it? I was reading in my journal just today and was thinking through, Lord, what do you want me to start building? Because guess what? 52 days from today is July 4th. 52 days from today is July 4th, starting tomorrow. I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to be a part of for the next 52 days? What do you want me to put my hands to? What do you want me to start building in my life? And this is what I came up with. I was Looking back on my summer in the Philippines, where I felt like the Lord was really just building some foundations for me, I said, I want that again today. I want to relive some of that moment. And this is what I came to. It said, these are the books that I got to read this summer while I was in the Philippines. The book of Acts, the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. And I started reading Matthew and Psalms. I don't, that was 52 days of just reading the Bible. I don't say that because I'm trying to act like I've got it together. I tell you because that was such a sweet time with the Lord. It was so good. I feel like I was just walking so knitted with him, like so close to the Lord. I feel like I knew when he wanted me to do something and I would obey it. I feel like I was constantly living in a spot where I was being filled with the spirit and how I lived. I feel like I knew what God wanted me to do with my life. I'm not saying some of those things aren't here today, but I'm saying I want that same attitude now. So I'm telling y'all as a student ministry, for the next 52 days till July 4th, I'm going to try to commit to read as much as I can of God's word. I'm going to try to spend more time in prayer, and I'm going to try to continue to memorize scripture. Those are my three spots I'm going to devote for the next 52 days to build those walls in my life. What are the walls in your life that you can start building today? What can you commit to be a part of for the next 52 days?